0: Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Hassan, and I'm absolutely honored and delighted to speak for the first time with Jennifer um, Cohn. Jennifer, I've been following you on Twitter for years and read your stuff uh, avidly, and I recently saw a brilliant piece you did on Medium about Russian hacking, and that's what made me go, Jennifer, please do a... interview with me because election security is so important i just want to start by reading a little bio you are a non-practicing attorney uh, election integrity advocate writer freelance journalist and you've been writing articles about election integrity Uh, one of the big ones that i really appreciated was in the new york review of books But you've also written for Salon and a bunch of other places. And really since 2016 election, you've focused your professional efforts exclusively on investigating and exposing America's insecure uh, computerized elections. Uh, You graduated from the University of California, Los Angeles in 1989 and Hastings College of Law in 1993. You were a law partner at Nielsen, Haley and Abbott in Marin County for many years, where you specialized in insurance coverage and civil appeals. And before that, you specialized in criminal appellate law. And you're one of the co-founders of the entity Protect Our Votes. And I really want you to tell us, Americans and people around the world, what's broken and more importantly what can we do to fix things so i'm handing you the ball jennifer please help us
1: well that hi thank you very much for inviting me to be on your show um i'm starting up again doing more interviews and yeah that last article seems to have garnered a little bit of attention um so after the 2016 election and the reports of russian interference in early 2017, maybe around the time that the 25-year-old veteran named Reality Winner blew the whistle on certain aspects of Russian interference that we hadn't been told as members of the public. It was around that time that I began researching and writing about election security, and I did that really nonstop, um, all day, every day. Um, My hair was on fire all day, every day, really up until the 2020 election, and then the big lie hit, and um, and I think like others who have focused their efforts so much on election security, it was just really frustrating because Trump and his movement, the MAGA movement, really hijacked the election security narrative, and I think that that was enabled in part by the Democratic Party really not being on the offense enough when it should have been after what happened in 2016. Right. And so I've been... Sort of, in a way, election security advocacy became sort of untenable in the immediate aftermath of the big lie because anyone, anytime you would mention election system vulnerabilities, people would assume you were a Trump supporter and that it was nonsense because what Trump did is he took, there's always a grain of truth with anyone who's really good at propaganda and Mm -hmm. Trump and the MAGA movement are really good at it. And the grain of truth is that there are real vulnerabilities in our systems and that there is not enough transparency in our systems. But what they did is they took that grain of truth and then added a bunch of lies and pretended that this somehow, um, that this actually proved that he won the election, which was of course the big, the big lie. Right. They didn't have that proof and they still don't have that proof. And then when they'd like a fire hose of falsehoods at it, right. which is a known propaganda technique where you keep Even if things are really pretty blatantly false, they just keep firing them at the public so fast that it creates a general hazy impression of there must have been fraud and no one can really keep up with the debunking fast enough.
0: Yeah, and I can't help but say active measures is the term Russia uses for this fire hose of propaganda. Steve Bannon is a big proponent of throwing a lot of SHIT. Uh, at people exactly. to overwhelm them, but please continue.
1: Right, and it's extremely dangerous because even though some of the stuff received retractions, like you know, poor Dominion voting. Honestly, I, I'm not really a big fan of any electronic voting vendor, but there were so many lies told about Dominion that you have to be somewhat sympathetic to them. And you know, they got some retractions because they were accused of stealing the election without any evidence. And they got some retractions from you know Newsmax and Own. But the way that the fire hose works is is that you, in order to really counteract it, you have to repeat the truth more often and sort of with more detail and in a more engaging way than the lie. So really all you get was like a singular retraction to months and months and months of lies.
0: Right. But didn't they sue? Didn't Dominion sue? I don't
1: think the litigation is very far along. I I don't really know the exact status. I looked into it just a little bit the other day and they haven't taken any depositions and that's about as, as much as I know about it, I'm very, it is, I mean, the the problem is our judicial system isn't meant to go at a breakneck speed. It's not really built that way. Um, and so, so in any event, so I actually, so I just started writing in a way I sort of shifted from vulnerabilities to the people behind the big lie. And I do think, I mean, I think it's, it's interesting from someone who, so, well, I was always interested a little bit in the peripheral disinformation figures, but it's not going to be enough just to secure systems. Now we have a whole big lie to counteract. And part of that, I think, is involves going back to some previous elections, not to prove that those were rigged, because frankly, I don't have that evidence either. And I'm actually very careful to not say that I have proof that prior elections were rigged. What I have proof of is concerning circumstances and a very concerning lack of due diligence and lack of candor with the American public um, mm-hmm. about those circumstances. And then a, a political party, really the Republican Party, that actively has thwarted efforts to secure systems and a Democratic Party that hasn't done enough. Um, they haven't, for example, really tried to bring the public, is it, which I think is really their, was on, their only leverage after 2016. Um, right. When they internet security legislation, they didn't they didn't engage the public because they didn't want to scare them, and so they didn't have any leverage.
0: Yeah, and I want to say from your New York um, Review of Books piece you wrote about Senator Ron Wyden and the Safe Act that was legislation the GOP deliberately undercut so it couldn't be passed into law, and money's put to really uh, supporting the integrity of the uh, voting system.
1: Well, that's exactly right. I don't think most Trump supporters are aware that the GOP blocked an election security bill, Senator Ron Wyden's SAFE Act, that would have done things like banning internet connectivity for the 2020 election. Um, It would have required removing wireless modems from the ballot scanners in swing states that ES&S installed. By the way, Dominion does, that. they do sometimes use... um, modems with their ballot scanners but they're at least external so you're not actually connecting the ballot scanner itself to the um to the modem mm-hmm. so you don't have issues for example of a hacker getting in and then being able to stay inside the ballot scanner the, the worst they can do which is bad enough would be to tweak with the reported totals not the official but if they're inside they can stay inside and so that's esns not dominion
0: um Yeah, and there 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 have been documentaries that showed the weakness and the flaws by having machines that, wirelessly, you can dial into and change the address of of the citizens, turn people away. Say you're not, you know, your your ID doesn't match what we have in our system, and it was just a hack. As just one small example.
1: Exactly. And it's not even really, I don't think, disputed or disputable anymore. That was sort of the big lie that we were told as as the public after the 2016 election. They would always say, well, we didn't have to worry about vote tallies because voting machines supposedly don't connect to the Internet. And it was really at best. And that was repeated repeatedly by Jim Comey, for example, and Jay Johnson. And this was in my latest piece. I talk about some of these misleading statements that public officials gave to members of the public. And that was usually their favorite talking point. Well, it was two things. One, they don't connect to the internet, and two, it's too decentralized. And they were both pretty much bunk. Um, right. Because starting in 2015, ESNS had begun installing these wireless modems, certainly throughout Florida before the 2016 election. I believe they were in Wisconsin, too. And we don't really know where else. We only know of those just because researchers or, you know, they happen to be discovered by members of the public some, somehow, or members of the... Um, people who study election security. right? And um, so, yeah, it's the, the Trump movement would pretend like they discovered these things, you know, Oh my God, there's internet connectivity. Um, They knew it was known to their elective representatives before the election. And the Democrats were trying to do something about it. Not enough, in my opinion, except for Wyden. We needed, let me put this way. We needed barn burner speeches. Wyden gave a few and he's really the only one. And, that's what you can do. It, it doesn't guarantee that it'll pass, but it the Court of public opinion is leverage. and right. I think it would have per- helped minimize anyway to the extent to which Trump was able to go on offense on this issue. Yeah, uh, th- know, misle- uh, falsely go on offense. he didn't have a basis to do it.
0: A thousand a thousand percent. I also learned about Chris Krebs, who is the director of CISA Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency. Who said you know the presidential election was the most secure election in history? But the bar was set so low, and had nothing to do with with systems in place that could detect malware, such as like what happened with the Solar Winds hack, which was put in through third-party vendor software that wasn't even detected until much much later. Um, And the other thing I want to comment on is the presidential election had a lot more scrutiny than 2020, but all of these other uh, uh, election races were not scrutinized, especially in swing states. And there really is a question mark whether there was a legitimate election of who got the most votes in terms of people. To
1: me, I think there's there's a legitimate question. I mean, All I can do is listen to the experts. And by experts, I mean the ones who really are respected, um, not the fake experts that the MAGA world ruled out. But there are a number of um, election security experts who have been warning about vulnerabilities for many years and, you know, warning about it into a void, really, mostly. And they say that the vulnerabilities are real. And yet, I think what kind of happens is the democratic party is so afraid that it'll somehow discourage turnout that they don't say anything. And then they almost like, or they, you know, in response to the big lie, they pretend the election was more secure than it was, even though they never got their legislation passed because the GOP blocked it. Right. I think they almost convinced themselves because then no one's talking about it. So it's almost like, wasn't there something like during world war two when, If people were prisoners of war, they would be made to write out things like um, how America was terrible. And if you if you say something enough, even though it wasn't your initial idea, you can your brain can kind of get tricked into believing it. That's my
0: field. Yep, that's brainwashing 101, and it's based on cognitive dissonance theory that we have thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. And if you do the behavior enough you start believing it, you start rationalizing and feeling exactly. good about it. We're all human beings, but it seems like the the Trump effort, the Putin effort, uh, the Christian right effort uh, of psychological warfare has been very focused and everybody else is walking around in a trance going, we should just do things the way we've always done them because they were okay. And things are not okay. We're in a crisis, World War no, Three situation.
1: Right. Th- things are not things are not okay. But and I do think though that the Democratic Party repeating that sort of mantra about the most secure election ever, they maybe convinced themselves a little bit. I mean, we even lost. For the most part, we lost Ron White, and He used to talk about this issue all the time, and it was probably the party leadership that told him to just step down and. You know, honestly, at that point we were in a, and we are in a really bad situation because anytime you point out the vulnerabilities, then they, you know, the Trump people would say, aha. And then they have their whole, um, you know, their whole apparatus in place that they would just repeat it and repeat it over and over and over again. And, and suddenly it would become something a little bit like out of context and twisted. And yeah, as you say, so you Trump take, really a, won.
0: <laughs> take a grain of truth and flip it. And I wrote in the cult of Trump about projection. So mm-hmm. the, Trump wanted to do a coup. He blamed Biden for the coup or Hillary for the coup. Trump was involved with Greg, uh, with Jeff Epstein, and was involved with all kinds of uh, of episodes with women where they alleged all kinds of rape and assault. But let's blame the Democrats for doing that. And the thing is, the only hope is, from where I sit, as my expertise is telling the truth and being honest with people and saying, look, we don't know everything, but here's what we do know. Here's where all the arrows are pointing (laughs) to that closet over there, and let's open the closet and let's examine the contents in an objective way. And not this binary all or nothing good versus evil and just name calling, which is going to uh, cause the demise of America.
1: Yeah, I think that telling the truth is the most important thing. And again, I want to emphasize, I'm not saying that the truth is that Trump really lost in 2016. But I do think um, the truth is there are questions about it. And the truth is that there were a lot more questions about that election, a lot more legitimate concerns about that election and hacking and the results deviating from the you know, pre-election polls and the exit polls. And even it appears that their own internal Trump's own internal polling Um,
0: Yeah, I believe that it it was hacked based on my research for the Cult of Trump book and statistical analysis, as you said. Um, I I don't know, but I think it appears to be the case. They certainly celebrated in an unexpected way. Michael Cohen said they didn't expect to win. But it wasn't until Mercer came in, put in Bannon and Kellyanne Conway and did the whole... Russia, Alex Jones, Breitbart, Fox, talk well, we know radio they installed circuit. malware,
1: at a minimum, in the voter registration systems. That was let out by, I mean, we know more than that, actually. Bob Woodward is the one who, very belatedly, years after the election, leaked that um, Russia had installed malware that could del- delete every 10th vote in certain precincts. So you would just put it, the idea would be you would put it in, like, predominantly African-American precincts, which, with the assumption that African-Americans vote overwhelmingly Democratic, and then you could help swing an election that way. We don't have proof that it was activated. And I don't, you know, I don't necessarily think it, I don't know if it was or wasn't. I'm going to put that out there. There are a lot of people who will say, well, they wouldn't have put it in there if they weren't going to use it. That's not necessarily true because you do have Obama giving that, you know, red phone phone call. It didn't sound very persuasive to me. Just yeah, because he'd given two, an earlier warning, and this is all in my article about 2016, right. by the way. It's but he gave a warning in like September because it turned out, according to the book Rigged by David Scheimer, which I really recommend, it turned out they were in a position to edit vote tallies in at least some places. Um, mm-hmm. I think they figured that out, by the way, by using the um, IP addresses that they got for, from the first link, and then sending it to state officials, and then the state officials looked at their systems, and they a few states at the state level do handle vote tallying mostly though that's done at the county level. So it may actually, Hmm. they had States look at it, not the counties and not the localities. And so they found a few States, a few where possibly they found, I'm guessing that that's how they figured it out, that they found those IP addresses somehow related inside their systems, but it was only a few. But the problem was they didn't really have access to, um, perhaps due to time constraints, but they weren't really, didn't have a cooperative relationship established before the election with local and county officials, which is really where all the vote tallying is done. So it could have mm-hmm. been in a lot more systems than what they saw. Mm-hmm. But according to David Scheimer's book, they had um, the in- intelligence community did determine that they could edit vote tallies in a few places. They just didn't think it was what they knew about what would not have been enough in their assessment to change the outcome of the election. Right, and so they were still confident Hillary would win, and um, but Obama gave a very stern call to Putin, and then said cut it out, and then Putin didn't cut it out, at least as to what they saw. They saw voter registrations um, newly right. infiltrated after that, or ha- attacked anyway after yeah, that.
0: Yeah, they were all overconfident Hillary was going to win by a landslide by 85 percent, right? And so right, and we're I think asleep. the truth is.
1: People think that the intelligence community is is more was more all knowing than it is like they would know if um, they would have been able to tell if vote tallies were being hacked. But the way that our system is, they really wouldn't necessarily. They didn't. Jay Johnson admitted that they in the book, Shimer, that they didn't have independent surveillance abilities. They had to have cooperation from they were really focused on the state. And I honestly believe that the FBI may not have fully understood how our election system worked. At the time that they were scrambling to figure out what Russia was up to, I don't think they knew that ESNS, for example, had installed wireless modems. Or if they did, then they really, then Comey's testimony really, really was worse than just wrong. You know, it was deliberately misleading.
0: Yeah. And I, I, I'm a little more cynical at this point, realizing the level of infiltration into law enforcement by Russia. And people yeah. forget about Robert Hansen, who had. Was head of FBI counterterrorism against Russia, but he was actually an agent. And guess who was in charge of his disposition? Um, uh, William Barr, who said it had nothing to do with Opus Dei, which I wrote about. Opus Dei as one of the cults in the cult of Trump that are supporting uh, Donald Trump. So I'm, I'm, I really feel like we need to clean house. And really, find people who are dedicated to to their oath of supporting the Constitution, and not be um, compromised by videos with underage girls, or money, or any number of other um, religious manipulations. Because you know, a lot of Christian right people have been indoctrinated to think that Putin is a man of God, and that uh, the right. Third Rome is Moscow and i and with all this carnage and terrorism in ukraine i'm hoping it's going to wake some republicans up to realize putin is not a man of god he doesn't care about god he has no compassion or empathy at all it's all about power and control
1: i hope so um one thing so would i one thing that i had in my article about 2016 i begin it with a discussion of sort of a brief overview of the Ukraine situation and including the revolution that. So to make a long story short, Paul Manafort, who was partners with Roger Stone once upon a time, um, he helped uh, in win slash install a pro-Russia dictator named Victor Yanukovych in 2010. Yeah. And after that, the um, and then after that he spiked this deal that was, A lot of people in Ukraine, the citizens, wanted to be more Western, and they wanted to get away from sort of the umbrella of Russia's authoritarian rule. And so he spiked, though, this deal that was pending between Ukraine and the EU that had been pending for years, and this triggered all of these. It was called the – was that the Orange Revolution or a different revolution? Well, I don't think it was the orange one. It was another maiden, the maiden revolution. Um, Oh, no, I'm getting my timeline all screwed up. I'm sorry. Well, in any event, he spiked a deal and it triggered these massive uh, protests. And then there was a, the police, the state police shot a bunch of protesters and that triggered a revolution. And Yanukovych fled. This is Mal- Manafort's right. guy, fled from Putin's Ukraine guy. And, right. And Putin's guy and, and fled to Russia. And, um, where was I going with this?
0: Yeah no the 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 manipulation of the history of Russia and Ukraine in your oh, oh. article. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I know Sir. what it
1: was. So people would say in Russia would always say and the right wingers would always say that it wasn't true that the Ukrainian citizens wanted um, to move closer to the west that that was just US propaganda. That's that was it. So there was a lot of pushback against that narrative saying that's just U.S. propaganda. And what I think this current war and the opposition that the Ukrainians are putting at not greeting uh, Russia with flowers shows that it wasn't just U.S. propaganda. And I think that that is a a really – Hard to call it a positive exactly, but it's one, at least in terms of the narrative warfare that's going on, it put a little chink, at least, in the nar- false narratives that have been being put out by Russia and the right wing. And yet you're right, there has been a very long alliance between um, Russia and re- the religious right, which is really the um, Council Well, the Council for National Policy to a large extent. Yep. And they have formed this, I think what happened is they formed an alliance long ago with the so-called economic liberty Republicans. So there's like the religious, so-called. I put it in quotes because it's kind of all inverted. But it's, the so-called religious is. liberty, mm-hmm. religious right, and the so-called economic liberty, meaning no no regulations, right, joint form this alliance at the Council for National Policy, like in the 80s, and they have been um, sort of infiltrating our government and determining policy. And they were very interested in Russia because there was a lot of money to be made after the fall of the Soviet Union and. They didn't and it was sort of unregulated, it was the wild west out there. There was a lot of opportunities and corruption yep. to be made. And then, unfortunately, there are some Democrats who went that way also, which would include yep. like Tad Devine, who by the way didn't just represent Bernie as his campaign manager, but he before he became corrupted in in um Ukraine working with Manafort, he had represented, I think, John Kerry as well. Mm. But at least when he represented John Kerry, he hadn't done the bad stuff in Ukraine. So by the time he got to the Bernie campaign, yeah, he was, you know, a Manafort cohort, and so yeah, yeah and I, I can't help.
0: I'm sorry, I, I can't help but mention Lyndon LaRouche, who was a Putin Roger Stone buddy, uh, running for president eight times. A man who went to jail for for inveigling money from elderly people. And and, Interesting. and 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 such. yeah, I've heard
1: that name. I'll, I'll have to look it up. I hadn't, that isn't someone. Oh, I've Lyndon ever, I've LaRouche researched. was an
0: anti-Semitic conspiracy theorist who uh, was for space lasers, and he was a uh, he was uh, a propagandist for for Russia basically for a really long right. time.
1: I think that yeah, the the Roger Stone people look at Roger Stone. I know that I have, and he looks sort of like a joke with his you know fancy suits and his
0: tattoo of, of Nixon on his back.
1: Yeah, the ta- I think he I often don't even mention that because he likes that. You know, I try to mention things he isn't proud of, but yeah, he has a big Nixon tattoo on his back. Um and he was sort of tangentially involved in Watergate gate. I think it's fair to say it was only tangential because he was so young at the time. He was still in college, I believe. But even then, he had his hands somehow in with those same people, the same circle of bad people. Yep. Um but he's he, he did work in Ukraine as well.
0: Um, right, and, so I wanna, I wanna uh, just use your yeah. expertise, Jennifer. You're a citizen activist, advocate, like no one's you know, paying you to do this work, but you've done like so much for so long. And now we're looking at the midterms and a few months, and of course the next presidential election, And you mentioned in one of your pieces uh, an organization called AmericaCounts.us, who have uh, say that they have apps that might be able to be useful. Do you you know anything about them?
1: Yeah, I mean, first of all, I want to say on the not paid. You know, I I am paid a little. I I started a coffee account, so people do send me tips. But you know, I can say I've gotten I think eight thousand dollars in tips total, which is great, and I really appreciate it. But yeah, it's not a highly paid area. And for the most part, those four years that I did the advocacy all day, every day was unpaid. A lot of uh, journalism doesn't pay enough. So even when I would work for an organization, some places paid $50 for a piece that would take me weeks and weeks. Right. You know, that's- um, No, you were a law partner.
0: I'm sure you were doing very well and you could make a lot of money if that's what you wanted to do. But your passion for preserving- uh, our democracy was, is, is stellar.
1: Well, honestly, I would not go back to law. Um, no matter what, I already had left the law before 2016. I was a mom. What I, I would have, I, I do feel like I sacrificed a lot of time with my kids because that was why I left the law in the first place. And I then see. I became just so alarmed and didn't see enough people writing about this. So about election security and the real vulnerabilities, we were just sort of being gaslit. But, um, So as far as, you know, what to do, so my group protect our votes and America counts. We worked with them um, in 2020 doing poll tape, taking uh, photographs of poll tapes. I think they did videos. We did photographs. And poll tapes are what all the precinct equipment um, generates at the end of voting. So it's not for each individual voter, but the end, it gives like a list, a total for each race of all the votes. And then those totals are then sent to the county or in a few states, the state, and, um, and then they're reported. And what you want to make sure is that they don't change anything at the county level or the state level that it's, it matches what's at the county level, but you can't really get those tapes that you could get them later on, but to get them right away, you kind of have to go to the precincts where they're often posted outside the polling place, mm-hmm. photograph them and then do it individually. We had like seven or 800 volunteers working on this, um, we didn't find it ended up just being a very laborious process, and we didn't find any significant discrepancies, which I guess is actually it is helpful information. It doesn't discount fraud as the thing; it discounts fraud between in those places that we looked between the precinct and the reported totals. Right. But it could have been manipulated beforehand, um, right. and in a lot of places didn't have you know the places that you'd be the most concerned about. It could also just have been sloppy, but they wouldn't—they didn't post the poll tapes, um, and/or they didn't post post the reported totals. And it just—I don't know. I don't. I, I may end up recommending that. It's, as far as what I would suggest right now, for sure that I know that we need to have done is people volunteering to be poll workers and poll watchers. I guarantee you that the right wing is going to have a lot of people out there, and we need them ourselves, regardless of what the right wing does. We needed it in case there are problems to have them accurately um, reported to the state and to the media and maybe posted on social media is actually very useful to get the information out. Um, So we need it for that. And then we also need it in case there, you know, there are lies told about what's happening at polling places. Mm -hmm. Um, We need people there ourselves to know what's going on. So by we, I mean, I I am a Democrat and I'm fairly upfront about that. Um, I'm very upfront about that. So in any event, but regardless of what your party affiliation is, if you are interested in being either a poll worker who's actually working, checking people in, that sort of thing, or just a poll observer, Mm -hmm. call your um, county... De- uh, Democratic, Libertarian, Republican, whatever your affiliation is, party, and ask about doing that. Um, mm-hmm. So that for sure is something that's really important that can be done. I don't know if America Counts is going to be doing their poll tape project I again. See. I think they probably are, um, but they haven't. I haven't seen much about it yet. And I would. I'm on e- some email groups with them and and with other people. So the other thing I would suggest is to follow me on Twitter at jennycone1. And I will post about that type of thing as it comes up. If, if, there, are, if there are election protection um, activities, measures coming down the pike, I will absolutely be mm-hmm. posting about that on Twitter. And there are a number of other accounts on Twitter that I can recommend. It, it is not easy to know who um,
0: Who's who is reliable and trustworthy.
1: Reliable, right. And unfortunately... In this area, and again, this is based on my experience from before the 2020 election um, and not having anything to do with what Trump and those people would say. Right. Unfortunately, there were people with news outlets that, you know, that I rely on sometimes, like the New York Times, where some of their journalists would be very upfront and honest about what was happening. And others literally seem to think it was irresponsible to as a journalist, be honest with the public about what they felt like it was their job to slant it or to candy coat it or sugarcoat it for the public. And that doesn't make them evil. It doesn't mean they're working for Putin. You know, some could be, I guess, but I don't, I don't actually necessarily think so of the ones I'm thinking of in particular, but they, they felt that that was the right thing to do. And it is, and I, you know, I used to name names more than I want to do right now and I'd get into it, but here's a list of people who I think you can actually trust. Yep. To tell you the truth. Great. And none of them are Team MAGA, by the way. Um, a few of them are not Democrats, I think. Um, so one is Marilyn R. Marks One. So you put the at before it. Another is at S.E. Greenhall, G R E E N H A L G H. Another is at the Brad blog. Um, and there's a few others. What I maybe what I should We're do is We're going to do a
0: blog a, and we'll put all of these okay, things I'll give you the names. on the freedomofmind.com website. I do want to inter- interrupt for a second if I may yeah. and just say um, I had an experience here in Boston. I've been living here essentially since 77 and I would do a lot of uh, media, especially the Boston Globe, our home paper doing cult stories, you know, Hassan, what do you know about this group or that group? And then there was a 10-year period where there were no, no articles about cults at all. And I thought this was really odd. I talked to some friends who are writers in the entertainment arts, and they basically said the editor is Opus Day Steve. And Opus wow, Day. this is at
1: the Boston Globe or, or the Boston different outlets? Boston Globe. Oh, Wow.
0: So is it possible that Christian right authoritarians, because I've counseled people out of uh, Opus Dei, it fits my bite model of authoritarian control. Um, Other cults have put executives in different media outlets, so there could be uh, shaping from that angle, too, that they want to advance their anti-women's right to choose anti-gay and push their religious freedom agenda absolutely. to discriminate against everyone who doesn't believe like them.
1: Right. Well, absolutely. I think there are, you know, conservatives probably in charge of a lot of these media outlets, um, whether they're affirmatively Opus day, I don't know, but probably, probably many of them voted for Trump or preferred him to Hillary. And, and this is talking about 2016. And yeah. that might well have shaped what they were willing put out there. But what was interesting to me was that it, it seemed it was often within the same outlet. So like, you know, the New York times, you'd have one journalist do a good story. And then another one would say, but voting machines never connect to the internet. So you don't have to, and we're too decentralized. Even Jay Johnson admitted that that line, that soundbite about we're too decentralized to allow an outcome altering hack was bogus. It's obviously bogus on its face. It, right. You know, if you're talking about the presidency, where everything's often so close, you would only have to hack, you know, several precincts in the several key States and might be able to change the result if it's really close. So exactly. Um, so yeah, I found it really odd that within the same outlet, you'd get some stories that were good and some that weren't. And I just think that there's a variation among editors and others. And there was a real, there's a real fear about not being called, you know, a conspiracy theorist because, um, because you are in a way chasing ghosts. What's so just, disturbing about our election system is that it doesn't really allow the public to verify the results so you have to have i mean and i think that's unfortunate and we need more audits frankly now people think for a while anytime someone mentioned an audit they assume that you're a trump supporter but that was like a cornerstone that's what all the ex, but not the kind that they did which was bogus right
0: right Um, the ones in arizona where it,
1: it controlled organized audit with um That was a key cornerstone of the SAFE Act. Right. But people think that Trump invented audits because, again, I'm sorry. Well, it is – he is – the MAGA world is primarily responsible. I don't mean to say, like, Democrats are just as bad. They're not. But I was practically begging them. It's the Democratic Party, and I know many of them followed me. I know that Ron Wyden used to read my work. He, he he actually did what I thought that the Democrats should do, which is make it a major talking point and give those barn burner speeches about the GOP blocking yeah. election security reform. And they didn't do it. And here yeah. you know here we are. And then you had Trump with his big lie, and now the Democrats don't. You know they then they say most secure election ever, which is really misleading. And you know that blue we were supposed to have a big blue wave yeah. in 2020 down ballot and we did not it was a red wave. Yeah. And the races that were supposed to be toss-ups all of them went Republican the house races all of yeah, them were like 27. It's suspicious to me. It's suspicious to me too. But it's not proof. So again you're kind of chasing ghosts and people in the you know the the adults in the room want proof but the Fact is, what they should be reporting on then are the vulnerabilities that prevent you from getting the proof, because that is not chasing ghosts. That is just
0: fact. A hundred percent. And I feel like Americans, you know, will rise to the to the challenge. Sure. But be honest with us. Don't give us snow, snowballing. And you know, I hear from a lot of Trump supporters. As many of them say, "I'm in the cult of George Soros," or uh, "I'm being brainwashed by the libtards and whatever. But um, I'm telling you, I've been censored by the mainstream media with my book, The Cult of Trump, even though everyone uses the cult word now after several years. I'm not on all the time. I used to be on all the time before 2015. And so I say to the Trump followers, hey, your media is skewed. It's off. But we need to rebalance to what are facts and what are the truths. And so many people who are doing undue influence on other people are not owning up to the reality that we know social psychology now. There's science to how to get people to believe lies. And all the algorithms through social media, we see the Philippines election Uh, The the people are being unduly influenced through their screens, through this very high level manipulation, using their personal data and hitting their hot buttons to motivate them to vote.
1: Yeah, I'm very concerned about our bubbles, that it's just very hard, even if, um, you know, even I, I hope a little bit that if I put, if I say things about election security and I need to remember to tag election integrity, because I think there is a chance that some of the, I mean, I do have some followers from MAGA world because they're interested in election integrity and, but it's very hard to break through those bubbles. Um, because it's also, that's not also not our only problem. Isn't just election security by any means. Um, it is misinformation in general and disinformation in general and just propaganda and on the propaganda piece, something that sort of overlaps those two worlds. I think it's really important that we start praising it as Trump tried to steal the 2020 election because he did. That, and saying saying it, and I have been guilty of this, saying it in a sort of a more um, scholarly way that he tried to interfere with the uh, legitimate right. processes of a free and fair republic. No, just say he tried to steal it and it kind of scrambles their words because they, um, their own messaging. And he absolutely tried to steal that election. And I think that's sort of plain spoken and how people can understand it and get a little bit more outraged.
0: Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, we need to, it, this is not a time to lose hope or feel like our votes don't matter or our citizenry doesn't matter. It's a time to double double our efforts and reach out yeah. to real people, not just online, but to actual people, listen to each other, speak respectfully. I've been speaking ad nauseum about the error that a lot of uh, critics of MAGA World make of calling people stupid or even using or brainwashed ugly. or cults because it mm-hmm. just reaffirms that they feel persecuted and they're the victim and they think the mainstream media is so overwhelming. No, I'm for like person to person help me understand. When did you first hear of Trump? What's your first memory of Trump? And a lot of people are like, "Oh, I saw him on The Apprentice or, you know, this bogus reality show." That Mark Burnett concocted, but uh, so what'd you think of him? Oh, I thought he was a turd, or I thought he was a real, you know, expletive. Uh, so to walk me through how you came to believe that he is a good person, worthy of trust, someone who's lied so many times, and just ask the question in a respectful way, and follow up, and take the position of, hey, I could be wrong if there's evidence. From your position, please, I'm willing to listen. Tell me what was persuasive to you. Was it your pastor who claims to be an apostle of God, who gets direct revelations, who told you that he heard that Trump would win in 2020? Is that real? Is that really what you've based your your judgment on? Because maybe he's not a prophet or an apostle. Maybe he's a cult leader. Maybe right. he's some, someone with an agenda that isn't congruent with what we know as a separation of church and state and a recognition that you have a right not to believe.
1: I think it's great that you're doing that. I think for a lot of us with family members and friends um, who went that route, it it is too painful and um, (laughs) infuriating, I guess. I I can't have that conversation. I don't write people off, though, permanently anyway. There might be a fight or whatever, but I never— I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I want to say I don't believe in that. I I don't believe in writing people off, but I'm sure there, there can be circumstances where it's warranted if it's really causing you personal trauma in your life. It's absolutely
0: traumatizing. And I can tell, I relay my personal story being in the Moonies, my family, my friends tried to tell me it's a cult, Steve. Don't you see? Mm -hmm. And the more they said things that way, the deeper my commitment got But the key thing is remember, mind control and brainwashing is not permanent. It does not erase a person's memory or values or authentic self. It creates a pseudo self that controls and dominates the person's self. But people do have tipping points where they wake up and they go, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. And my message is always, if something is legitimate, it will stand up to scrutiny. Be prepared to change your mind if there's evidence. I'm prepared. I'm a social scientist. I want to seek what's true.
1: I think that's great. I think you also have to train people on propaganda techniques because it is very hard to give that scrutiny with a fire hose of falsehoods. You have to try, um, but they just Absolutely. keep pounding them. You know, the new one, every every other claim. That MAGA world has made about the 2020 election has not survived scrutiny. So now they come out with a new documentary. That Dinesh D'Souza, who himself was convicted or pled guilty to um, like campaign finance fraud, and Trump actually pardoned him. He came out with this new propaganda movie about the 2020 election, and you know I'm gonna have to probably watch it. And I know that there are already some people who are debunking it. It apparently doesn't really prove anything, but they use a lot of smoke and mirrors to create insinuations, and it is just this constant.
0: Yeah, like the Fire QAnon have got videos. A lot of money behind it. Then yeah.
1: We have a real problem, which is that the richer people get, the more they seem to want to go right because there's lower I guess it's lower taxes, lower less restrictions on their businesses. I don't know, but we don't have the same commitment from our left wing billionaires that I think they claim we have. Um I can tell you the sources never reached out to me. Right. Um, You know, we don't have
0: if you have resources, Jenny Cohen, please support the efforts for sure. Thank you. No, the 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 thing is about mind control is once you understand how to discriminate between ethical and unethical, once you understand the methods. For example, I did an interview with James Scamonacci about fourth generation warfare. Which is psychological warfare that was written up from the 1980s, and our military intelligence people used to do it on other countries. Uh, Michael Flynn, in particular, was an expert oh, yeah. in psyops. It's being done on us, but once you understand it, it doesn't—it doesn't penetrate. It's not that confusing because you have, oh yeah, that's projection. Oh, that's, you know, that's a double bind. That's a false equivalence. And you can just name it and to yeah, quote- Cherry
1: picking. It's actually kind of fun. Yeah, I felt like if yeah. it were me and I had a big media empire, I would put on experts in propaganda on a regular basis, not mm-hmm. just once. That's the other thing is people would sometimes say, oh, someone Joy Reid needs to have you on her show. I'm like, well, what's that going to do? Even if I, am not that I would oppose it. Of course, I would have gone if she'd ever asked. But um, appearing once on a show, it just it, it, people, it, again, you need the repetition, or people revert back to their previous belief systems. Yeah, so, well, even pe- if I yeah. changed minds in the short term, it would just go right back without. Well, like a it regular, won't necessarily
0: go back if people listen to you, follow you on Twitter, read your medium posts, and get involved with, with nonprofits. Uh, I but I agree. I, I've been advocating for mental health professionals being on the media to help people Mm. deal with the anxiety and the fear and the phobias and the sleep problems, as well as social psychologists whose job it is is to explain all the different techniques of influence that happen, uh, as well as what you correctly said, people who are experts in propaganda and disinformation analysis. I've been spending a lot of time with Dave Troy uh, who's done a marvelous analysis, in my opinion, of what's going on uh, yeah, historically. He talks
1: about cryptocurrency a lot, which I, I don't know much about, um, but he does. So,
0: yeah. So, I mean, I I uh, I don't know that much about cryptocurrency. I was uh, uh, someone tried to recruit me to uh, be a big advocate for it, but the more I listened, it just reminded me of multi level marketing schemes yeah. where. Somebody at the top of the pyramid is going to make a fortune, you recruit They're a whole lot of people. Of yeah, exactly. And then you buy in and they wouldn't make the money. You think you're going to make a fortune. And the early adopters may make a fortune, but everyone else is going to get scammed. But the more most important thing is it, if it's not regulated by federal authority. It's undermining the, the sovereignty of the U.S. dollar as a, the dominant currency of the world. And if well, you want to destroy to America, what, destroy money.
1: That's the goal, though, they're, because they're claiming that Soros is controlling the dollar. Um, that's what they want to do. It's And people need to understand that that's what they're trying to do is undermine the dollar. I mean, I think one thing I, I just, something in there triggered sure. this for me, made me Please. remember it, is, is how important credibility is, though, Um especially in the election security realm, I think, because there have, well, if I if there are any Democratic le- lawmakers who are listening, if you run around and overstate the security of the election or pretend that, it, as opposed to saying, well, look, we tried to secure it in these ways, but the GOP blocked it and then trying to change the rules after the fact and lied about having evidence of fraud, which they didn't have. If you do that, then that is not going to help win hearts and minds. I mean, it's only going to make them Think that the Democrats aren't trustworthy because they're not being honest. I mean, if they're saying that most secure election ever narrative, I mean, we we were caught between a bit of a rock and a hard place, but the problem is it it didn't it isn't hard for anyone who wants to go research it, and believe me, the Republican voters did to see the articles that are out there before 2020 about vulnerabilities. And they should be out there because it's yeah, those are the facts. Of course. I mean, if Trump had said, well, if he hadn't, if he'd lifted a finger to try to actually secure the election and had been thwarted and then had concerns about the election outcome, I, that would have been a very different situation than what he did, which is lift not a finger to secure the election, seeming to want Russia to interfere again on his behalf. And then afterwards, lying and saying he really won, not that he had a question here or there, but he actually really won. Um, right. That is just, that is not right. Right. Um,
0: no, that it's is attempting not right. to steal an election. And it's warfare. And we need to really think long and hard about our priorities. And I agree with you. There is a lot of billionaires who don't understand how much their resources are needed right now. But unless we can secure the voting machine process and such, and I'm not sure how much can be done in the next few months before the midterms, but we need to do everything we can and get a lot of human capital, uh, brilliant people coming up with out of the box solutions to actually figure out what's real. And, and, and And we
1: need more transparency because even if you have the most truly secure election in the world, if people don't believe it and there's no way to make them believe it, 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 you still can run into serious problems. Um, similar to what we just had. I mean, people like me and, you know, the the cybersecurity experts have been were warning before, even before the election, that without transparency, you can end out with a civil war, because even if a result is valid, you'll get people, you could have a huckster come along and say it's not. And that is kind of what happened. Um, I don't want to say that a system is 100% opaque, because it's not that either. It's somewhere in between, but it really has a long way to go. And lying about it is just makes it worse. It just makes it worse. It, it, um, and that's kind of why I'm going back and rewriting, not rewriting, but I'm trying to correct the narrative about some of these past elections, at least well before the evidence of it all disappears, the evidence that some of it's, you know, reports on social media about problems. Um, so that was a 2016, I'm going to do one. I do have a draft of 2020 done, but it's sort of evolving as we get more information about it. So it's not ready to go And I'm
0: gonna yet. I'm gonna appeal to everyone who's listening. Um, do the right thing. If you're aware of someone in your family that's doing illegal things to mess around with the election that's coming up with the presidential one, be a whistleblower. You, and many times you can do it anonymously. But do the right thing now, not. Wait later, I'm, I'm watching interviews with Esper uh, who has a book that he's promoting. Why didn't he speak out when these horrible abuses of Donald Trump was happening in the White House? And to hear that people are just saving it to make money on a book infuriates me. We're, we're in, a, in a war right now and we need to put, put our self-aggrandizement to the side and, and focus on really protecting each other and coming together. Well, and
1: we also, I do want to say, if the results are unexpected, I don't mean to say that polls can't be wrong, but if they're really unexpected, try it, see if we can get some audits and some due diligence done on some of those races. I wouldn't just concede our democracy to this system as it currently is, is yep. um, set up.
0: Yep, absolutely. So Jennifer, I'm so grateful for you. It's nice to meet you finally to talk with you one on one, even though it's virtual. Um, I'm gonna uh, ask you to give the last thoughts uh, as we wrap up.
1: Okay, um, trying to think if I had anything specific that I wanted to.
0: Well, we definitely heard your recommendation to to call your prospective um, poll, polling. Yeah, I think
1: that that is, that is my main recommendation, uh, -hmm. is, is to, we need more eyes on the ground. And so for now, that is certainly something that anybody can do, which is to be a poll worker or a poll watcher and call your county democratic party. And I hope that you will read my pieces on medium. I know that there have been a few other people who have done synopses of the previous elections but I am coming at it from a unique perspective because I was an election security advocate and really studied a lot of the um, election systems before the 2020 election. And I studied what public officials told us about 2016 and I'm aware of where they kind of um, took liberties with the truth and that, and I, and I focused really very much where they took liberties and it's really undisputed and undisputable that they took those liberties because that was sort of my area of law insurance coverage, you always look for undisputed facts. And so that's kind of how I set up what I write. I try to stick to the stuff that I can actually prove. And I think getting the narrative correct is very important because we, as much as I worry about the security of the machines themselves, I also just worry about the narrative warfare that is out there. And if the narrative didn't matter, the right wing would not have spent so much time, um, you know, trying to hijack it and twist it and distort it and invert it. So we need to sort of invert it back.
0: Yeah, and by naming the bad actors, holding them accountable, I'm waiting for Merrick Garland to uh, to arrest Trump and charge him.
1: Well, and Roger Stone
0: and Roger Stone. The people who are and behind Steve the scenes Bannon. are so important,
1: and they need to be household names.
0: Yep, and, uh, and Roger Stone,
1: Jack Posobiec, you know, Joe, the people the leaders of the. I don't know that most Americans know how close Roger Stone was with most of the Proud Boys. But I mean, they were like his personal army right. before January 6th, long before they showed up at his trial, right. where he was found guilty um, of yep. perjury and um, like five counts Yeah, but of Roger Stone goes back
0: to Putin through Lyndon LaRouche. Uh, right. Really, there's a Russian connection there that for a long well, certainly time. Certainly through Manafort. Yeah, um, that too.
1: And he's the one who recommended Manafort to the campaign, which isn't something that I knew even until relatively recently. So- I think people need to know who these people are behind the scenes because behind the scenes actors are very, they're really, really warping the narrative Yeah. Um, and the narrative. What, absolutely what gives matters. me hope
0: are people like you and other colleagues who are spending hours and hours and hours of uncompensated work, just trying to uncover the facts, the evidence and educate the rest of us and we have a, a broken system that we need to write and there's no way we're going to do it if we don't uh, continue to have political power in the congress and in the white house so i'm 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 going to do whatever i can which is why i wanted to interview you today thank you so That's thank and we you can't so fix much it if we don't
1: know what we're dealing with if we don't have the true facts because we're trying to protect you know, public from itself, I get from the situation, then we're not going to be able to fix it.
0: Exactly. Great. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Well,
1: thank you very much. I appreciate your inviting me on your show.
0: My pleasure. Thank you. That's it for today's episode of the Influence Continuum. I've been your host, Dr. Stephen Hassan, theme music for the podcast by Nasser Malik. To read in-depth articles about influence, both positive and negative, visit my website at freedomofmind.com. On Twitter and Instagram, my handle is at cultexpert. If you want to develop a comprehensive understanding of these topics, I highly recommend my books, Combating Cult Mind Control, Freedom of Mind, and The Cult of Trump, in that order. These books are a culmination of 45 plus years of experience and will really help you fully grasp the complex web of undue influence. I also have a three and a half hour online course titled Understanding Cults, The Basics, which can be found on my website. If you're a former cult member, I congratulate you on your bravery. Invite you to use the hashtag #IGotOut and join our online community at igotout.org. Thanks for listening, and remember, love is stronger than mind control.